Sometimes when I sit here at 9.30 in the morning, I just like to sit and I just say, Lord, I'm just sitting in the gap for our people who I love, who, who, who needs our prayers. And so often when I'm thinking about oh, what do I pray for now, what do I pray for now, then all of a sudden I turn my thinking to what God has done and I start thanking him and I don't run out of things to say. I get joyous. And so this morning I thought instead of asking for things that we would just be thankful for all his blessings because Psalms 107 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God of all blessings, source of all life, giver of all grace, we thank you for the gift of life, for the breath that sustains life, for the food of this earth that nurtures life, for the love of family and friends without which there would be no life. We thank you for the mystery of creation, for the beauty that our eyes can see, for the joy that the ear may hear the singing of the birds, the sound of the ocean and the first words of a small child. We thank you for the unknown. We cannot fully comprehend the universe with all its wonder. The expanse of space that draws us beyond the definitions of ourselves. We thank you for setting us in communities, for families who nurture us into becoming more of our true selves for friends who love us by choice, for companions at work who share our burdens and daily tasks, for strangers who welcome us in their midst, for people from other lands who call us to grow in understanding, for children and grandchildren who lighten our moments with joy and delight. We thank you for this day, for life, and one more day to love, one more day for opportunity, and one more day to work for justice and peace. We thank you for our neighbours, and one more person to love and by whom to be loved, and one more experience of your presence, for your promise to be with us, to be our God and give us life eternal. For these and all blessings we give you thanks, our eternal and loving God, Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see you this morning. Just get myself all ready here. Uh, Welcome, everyone. I want to add my welcome to that of uh, Wayne's if you are new. Uh, welcome to our church this morning. If you're watching online, perhaps for the first time and you've uh, tuned into our service, I just want to welcome you as well and trust that uh, you sense God's presence amongst us in this room and transporting through all those little electronical wires back to your house <laughs> uh, into your space uh, that you'd be blessed uh, this morning. I'm excited this morning because, uh, as Wayne mentioned in his wonderful introduction, uh, <laughs> we are starting a new uh, preaching series on the book of Acts. Um, this is going to be more of a teaching series than necessarily a preaching series. There is a difference between preaching and teaching. 
uh, preaching is sort of getting the word to sort of transform the people in the room uh, and and have an effect, whereas teaching is to then take that effect and and make sense of it and sort of help you with your theology and things like that. Um, There will be preaching parts in it as well because obviously the word changes our lives. But have you ever been in the midst of a TV series or a book series uh, the, the characters have been introduced, uh, there's a storyline, it's getting exciting, there's drama and it's sort of climax and something interesting is going to happen, there's a problem to be solved and then those dreaded words come up, to be continued. Anyone had that experience where you just like, you just want to know what happens next and maybe you have to wait until the producers of the TV series do the next one in a couple of years' time or something. A good thing about streaming and, and binge-watching is you don't have to have that these days. But there's this to-be-continued uh, sense. Well, this is what we've got in the book of Acts. We have the to-be-continued story of the Gospels. Uh, in the Gospels, we had the main characters introduced We had a problem to be solved. We meet Jesus. He talks about the kingdom of God and uh, he says he's going to come and and die. He's going to be raised to life and the the, the kingdom is going to expand and that happens and he's raised to life and he meets the disciples and he ascends into heaven and now what? Now what happens? Well, in Acts we have that. We have the to be continued. Um, Some might say that Acts is the sequel to Luke. So Luke wrote Acts and he wrote the Gospel of Luke. Some say it's a sequel. I don't like the word sequel because I don't know about you, but have you ever seen a movie that you've absolutely loved and then they come out with a sequel, like the two of the movie, and it's an absolute flop? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, it's not like that. This is not a flop. This is a volume two of the wonderful uh, writings of of Luke. So the plan is to go through the book of Acts. Why are we going through the book of Acts? Well, at the start of the year, we really felt like the Lord said, uh, the vision for this church is to be making a difference. And that came out of this sense of maybe a bit of disappointment or frustration uh, with the years of COVID that we had that restricted us and, and there was a sense of, oh, we can't sort of do all that we thought we could do or had planned to do. Uh, and in the midst of that, there might be a bit of frustration or disappointment. But the Lord calls us, despite the circumstances, to make a difference. Despite what happens to us, the call to uh, be witnesses to him, to, to love him, to worship him, to, to tell others of the good news, uh, that doesn't go away. And we talked about making a difference in our personal lives, making a difference in our church, and making a difference in the world. Now, I don't know about you, but no better book in the Bible describes a bunch of people who made a difference in their personal lives as the Holy Spirit came upon this motley crew of fishermen and others who were scared and and, and challenged, and all of a sudden they're emboldened to speak the truth. Transformation was incredible. And the, make a difference in the church? Well, they began the church. <laughs> Talk about making a difference at the very start. 
and they, they sorted out sort of the theology and, and their practice and what, what it meant to meet together and, and love others and, and love God. And then, of course, as Wayne said, the spread of the gospel, making a difference in the world. So I think Acts really encapsulates that whole vision for this year. Second reason it's good to do a book series is I think it's great to get into the Word. I think more and more today um, we're distracted by things and we're not necessarily people of the Word. Um, So it's good to actually go through and be um, taught uh, the Word. So today really is an introduction uh, and I'm going to use Luke's introduction in Acts as the introduction of the introduction that Wayne did of the introduction. Um, so if you haven't already, it would be great for you to be uh, reading through. I know a number of you have mentioned that you've started to read through the book of Acts. That's fantastic. Uh, just so that we can have a good context. Uh, Acts is 28 chapters long. And if we do a chapter a week, I've done the maths. Uh, We've got some all-in services. We've got some guest speakers. Like maybe March next year we'll be finished. Yeah, it's just I said that, and I just thought let's let's just get a gauge on the room on that concept because some of you might go, oh gosh, and some of you might go, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's stick you with it. So I was just kind of going, how long are we going to do this thing for? I'm not really sure how long this is going to go. Well, we are going to go systematically through it. Uh, we'll probably be taking the main parts of, of the story. So it'd be good for you to read the other parts as well. But before we get into the, the narrative itself, I just want to talk about some of the main themes. Some of the main themes to watch out for as you read through personally and as we read through together in the book of Acts. Why? Because as we're made aware of the themes, when we read it, it they jump out at you. I don't know if you've ever thought about buying a car. Have you had this experience where you're researching and you're looking, you found the, the, the brand and the model of the car that you like, and then you go for a drive out on the road, and every second car that you see past you is that car that you are looking for? Have you ever experienced that? And now they always existed and they were always there, but you just never noticed them because you didn't have your eyes attuned to um, that want and that desire. And it's the same with the themes of Luke's. As, as Luke writes, he wants to get across particular themes, particular emphases, um, and they come out again and again and again. And if we're made aware of them, as we read them, we go, whoa, there goes a Toyota Corolla, or there goes a Hilux, because that's what I want. Um, all right, so let's just uh, just quickly go through some of these these themes. First of all, the church. The church is born in Acts, and we see how the church uh, gets itself together. It works itself out. It has um, you know works its governance out. It works out what it's about. Uh, works out how it outlives uh, the call of Jesus. And we see that uh, particularly in Acts 2 as we, we learn about the early church and how they, they formed. So the concept of church is, is right through. And then as, as the missionaries go out and they establish churches in, in the provinces, um, we, we see again those things happen. And then the Apostle Paul writes to those churches um, later on. Uh, Obviously, the Holy Spirit is a huge uh, impact and part of the theme in Acts. 
the, the Holy Spirit really is what um, empowers and drives the message. Uh, it is not a, necessarily about the apostles or the disciples or, or whatever. Luke is really, um, really focused on the fact that the Holy Spirit needed to come to empower the disciples to actually do the task that Jesus um, asked them to do. Uh, mission. Mission is, in, is in, introduced. Uh, we see the spread of the gospel. There's no longer a local uh, uh, focus now we see the the mission of of God go out into all the world. Witness is another major theme uh, that you'll be my witnesses. Jesus says, "Now witness uh, that they were eye witnesses to the actual risen Jesus, and then they witnessed to the fact that they were witnesses. And you and I necessarily didn't see the risen Jesus today." but we experience him and, and he transforms our lives and we witness to what he has done in our lives as well. There is persecution and opposition. Uh, Wayne said that as well. <laughs> there, uh, you know, the, not only the, the Jewish leaders who just wanted to squash this thing, you know, they had power and they had authority and they were the ones that took Jesus to the cross and, and executed him. And the Roman authorities as well. So there's there's the Jewish and, and the Roman pu- pushing pressure on on the, the these guys. But I tell you what, you know we're talking about pressure with COVID and not being able to do stuff. These guys had pressure, and yet in the midst of that, they made a difference. In fact, we should probably have persecution, opposition, and and providence or or, or um, uh, God's provision in the midst of it. Uh, these these apostles get thrown into jail, and pretty much every time, God goes, "That's okay. I'll get you out in some <laughs> miraculous way." Um, the kingdom of God is a big theme. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. He's going to establish His kingdom. He ascends into heaven and is on the throne as King over His kingdom. What is that kingdom going to look like? It was probably different from what they imagined it would look like. And it's unfolded, as Luke tells us, what it means to be in the kingdom of God. What is the new Jerusalem? What is the, the new temple? I talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, the gospel or the message. Now, remember, these uh, disciples, these apostles, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't go out and go, hey, turn to 2 Corinthians 1.3. Uh, it wasn't written yet. What they had was the message of Jesus risen from the dead. This is the Lord of all. And that message, that gospel, went was what they actually took out. They didn't ha- have sort of a, a, a tract or, or you know, a, a good poem or anything like that. It was just the gospel, just the pure message that went forth. And finally, and this is my favorite one, and I, I want to bring this out a lot the humanity of the disciples or the apostles. What you see really strongly is that um, if, if I wanted to make up a, a great story that I was in, you kind of want to make yourself look good, don't you? Um, but I think one of the, the proofs of the New Testament as a historic book is that they don't hold back with letting us know that they got things wrong. Uh, that they stuffed up, that they had conflict. What conflict in the church? 
never. Um, and, and we see this uh, real human. Yes, they were Holy Spirit inspired. Yes, they were empowered and yes, they were emboldened, but they didn't want the glory. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. It's all about Jesus. And, and they don't want to celebritize themselves. Is that a word? Just made it up. They don't want to be celebrities. They, they want the glory to go to Jesus and, and about that. So that's, that's what I, some of what I'm going to pick out today. <sighs> Getting through the intro. <laughs> now, all the way through this Acts series, I want us to be asking three questions. Every week, I want us to be asking three questions. As you place yourself in the narrative of Acts, what are you surprised by or what challenges your own thinking? Now, this goes back to that humanity thing. Because, do you know what? The apostles had to be challenged in their thinking. They had it all worked out. They, they believed what they believed, and, and God had to come to them in visions and say, I want you to do this. And they said, nuh-uh, that's not right. <laughs> You're wrong, and I'm right. And they had to be surprised by the fact that the message was going to the Gentiles. And, and other aspects like that. And so we too, through our own upbringing, through our own backgrounds, through our own church denomination, come with our own preconceived ideas and thoughts and theology. And we have to be under the word. And sometimes as we read the word, we are challenged by our own thinking. And we need to maybe take note of that. Secondly, as we learn about the distinctives and the priorities of the early church, okay, this is, this is the book of the early church, what can we discover or apply to our own context? Here in Belair in 2022, we are the church of Christ. We are the body. We are the same church and we have the same teaching. What, as we discover how they did it, should we learn from and glean from and, and gain insight into? And thirdly, and I think this is the most important, as you read through the story of Acts, what is Jesus personally saying to you? This is not just a historic book. It's not just a, a good thing to, to know. This is, this is the written word and Jesus is the living word. And as we read his word, it becomes alive and Jesus speaks to us. And it might be in a phrase, it might be in a sentence, it might be one of those themes that I mentioned. But I just ask that Jesus would open up your eyes and your hearts to what he wants to say to you this morning and as we go through the book together. So why don't we pray and then we'll get into it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Luke uh, who has given us his account of uh, the early church and the way that your message spread throughout all the world. And Lord, as we begin on this Sunday, uh, this teaching series, uh, Lord, we pray that you'll be working in our hearts, uh, whether that be here as we're together or at home, uh, as we read personally. But Lord Jesus, that you would be speaking. Uh, Lord, that you'd be revealing yourself to us, your truth, who you are, your love for us, and, and what you're calling us as your local church here to be and to do. 
And so, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would bless this time and ask that you uh, reveal all that you want to in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, begin. If you've, if you've actually got a, a physical Bible or perhaps the, the Bible app on your phone, feel free to have that out. I won't, I won't think you're playing Sudoku or something like that as I'm, as I'm reading along. I'll, I'll trust that you're actually reading the Word. But we're going to go through uh, the first uh, verses 1 to 11, which is Luke's own introduction, and uh, draw out some things as we go along. So in my former book, Theophilus, Okay, let's stop there. Uh, (laughs) Who is Theophilus, you might be asking? Well, you might not like my answer, but we don't really know. Um, But we do know that Luke wrote um, his Gospel of Luke. In fact, if you wanted to just hold hold it there and, and go back to the very start of Luke, he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have fulfilled have been fulfilled amongst us, just that have been handed down by those from whom the first I were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I love that. This is a doctor. He is very clever. He's very smart, and he's investigated things. In an interrogated way, fully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. There it is again. So he's writing his first gospel to this man and to, and the book of Acts. Now, Theophilus literally means a lover of God. That's what that word means, lover of God. So some have tried to sort of say, well, Luke is writing to whoever is a lover of God. So uh, all those in this room I trust would be lovers of God. So you are Theophili. That's, is that, are that the plural? I don't know. Uh, you, are, you are Theophiluses because you are lovers of God. And it's try, Some might say, well, it's just to whoever, whoever loves God. No, I actually believe that it's actually a, a person called Theophilus. And he wants to give an orderly account. That's an important thing to um, understand. Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. Now, I want to just talk about that word, began, because that's an important word. All that he began to do and teach So the Gospel of Luke talks about what Jesus began to do. So the implication is that the book of Acts is what he continues to do. And so the work of Christ is not over. It is continuing. And how is it going to continue? Well, that is revealed later as the answer of the Holy Spirit uh, is promised. So there is an implication here that the book of Acts isn't a closed book. It's the continued work of Jesus. In fact, I don't know, um, in your Bibles it might say the Acts of the Apostles. Now that's just a name that we have given this particular book. Um, It's probably not actually a very good name because it highlights the apostles rather than the work of Christ or the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a better name for the book would be the book, the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, 
because it's about what Jesus continues to do through the Spirit. It's not necessarily about the people and about how good they are, it's, you know, that humanity thing. It's about uh, him. And so um, it's the finished work of Jesus. And the, the book of Acts actually finishes abruptly. I don't know if you've, you've noticed this. It, it's kind of unended. It's, it's sort of left with another to be continued in a way. And I look at that and I go, well, maybe Luke wanted to write a third volume, possibly. Uh, it ends with, with uh, Paul in house arrest in Rome, and yet we know through the letters he was released, so there was more to the story. But I like the open-endedness because, you know what, it puts you in the story. You are in Acts. You are part of the continued work of Jesus in the world, empowered through the Holy Spirit. You are one of the disciples that have been empowered in the same way that these early church were, and, and, it, and it continues on and on and on. And the other thing about this word begins, all that Jesus began to do and teach, is that we don't add to the work of the teachings of Jesus. We simply, the disciples, the apostles, had the message of the risen Christ. They had his teaching, and they simply took that, and they, they taught that wherever they went. And we don't add anything. It's not like in, in 2022 we, we've got to come to a new modern sort of understanding or whatever. Uh, if you find people that feel like they need to add to the words of Jesus or the teachings, uh, that's called a cult. And, and we don't want to add to anything. So about what Jesus began to do and Acts is about what he continues to do. All right. So Theophilus, I wrote all about the things Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the, there goes a Corolla, the kingdom of God. So there was a period here, Jesus uh, is risen from the dead and there's a 40-day period before he uh, ascends where he continues to teach. He continues to uh, meet with the apostles and, and teach. And uh, this, this is kind of like a, a, a crossover time period between the Gospels and then, and then Acts. Because in the Gospels we have uh, this time period, but we don't have really much recorded in the Gospels about what happened in this time. Uh, so in, in Acts, Luke gives us a little, little more insight. And it says here that he, in this time showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs. Convincing proofs. Uh, another translation, I don't know if you've got it, might say infallible truths. So um, Jesus uh, is, is, is coming to them and he is, is take, it's not a subjective reality for the disciples, but it's objective 
truth. So this is what Luke's saying by convincing proofs or or um, infallible truths. See, if I see the uh, risen Lord Jesus and I, in that time, and I came to you and I said, oh, I saw him, uh, you might think, well, he's a bit crazy, right? But if two, three, four, or 12, or 20 people say the same thing, it no longer becomes a subjective thing, but it becomes an objective reality. And what Luke's trying to say here is this is no fairy tale. This is no made-up story. This is convincing truth or proofs that who Jesus was and claimed to be has come to be come to pass. The disciples were witnesses and they saw with their own eyes this proof. So if I said to you, uh, uh, this morning I saw a flying car that was driven by elephants and it was dropping purple flowers that turned into butterflies, you might go to you might think, well, Sam's just losing it a bit this morning. But then uh, if one or two of you piped up and go, well, yeah, actually I saw that too. And, and before you know it, more and more people go, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. It's no longer a subjective personal thing. It actually becomes an objective truth. It becomes a convincing proof. So I saw that. I saw that too. Now, some of your friends, as you go about your life, might be saying that this is all made up. This is just a story that's made up. What Luke wants to do in his gospel and in Acts is give us convincing proofs and that they are witnesses to the fact that this actually happened. This is historic narrative. Okay, That's really, really important for us. The Apostle Paul says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. And at the time of the writing, uh, if, if Theophilus was reading this and said, uh, I'm not really sure about this, Luke would go, well, go talk to Mark. Go talk to James. <laughs> go talk to, you know, they, they were still alive. They could, they could confirm the story. This is true. This is real. And these infallible truths involve the senses. It's not just a mind thing. It's not just I believe and I, I'm just going to, you know, screw my head around to just sort of make myself understand this thing that seems crazy. These things involved the senses, touch, uh, hearing, feeling. So Jesus, he showed up a couple of times. He just turned up in a room. The doors were locked, the windows were closed, and there's Jesus. They saw that with their eyes. He had meals with them. Now, if, if Jesus was not fully human as he rode, and he was just some spirit or ghost or something, he would not be able to eat food. But he ate with them. So taste. Uh, touching. Thomas was a doubter. He says, unless I touch the wounds, I, I won't believe. And, he, and Jesus comes to him and touch. You see the senses being involved in these proofs. It's not just a, a mind thing, but it actually involves all of us. 
And I just pray that that would be the, the case today. And as we go on in our spiritual journey, as we come to worship, that we would hear the voice of Jesus, that we would see pictures of what he wants us to do, that we might even feel his loving embrace around us as we worship him. And this is what um, John himself says in 1 John That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. It's not just an idea. It's not just a theology. It's a real thing. So for 40 days, the disciples were hanging out with Jesus and he's continuing to teach them. And one account of his teaching is recorded uh, in the next uh, verses. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, interesting, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, many of you would, would know that the end of the Gospels uh, is the Great Commission. So the disciples are called to go into the ends of the earth, to, to preach the Gospel, to baptise, to disciple others. So that's, that's the commission. And then Jesus is, is teaching them. He says, go, but wait. And, and you can imagine, put yourselves in the, in the disciples' shoes for a while, or sandals. Um, they imagine being asked to be, be part of the, a new movement and, and to go into all the world. Some of you might go, well, you know, I've got a job, I've got kids, they're in school, maybe we'll wait till they finish. Uh, and, and there might not be much sort of impetus to sort of get on board with that, that mission, right? And then they see the risen Jesus. In fact, in between his dying and rising, they go back to their old lives, don't they? Go back to the fishermen boats, and go. You know, they they're giving up on this 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 whole thing. But then they meet the risen Jesus, and they are excited to the hilt. They they are like, this is it. If there's anyone to follow in life, it's this guy. He just rose from the dead, and so they're excited. But you can imagine. And this is what Jesus is saying. Sometimes in our excitement, we can run ahead and we can be excited about doing the work of God, but there needs to be a waiting first. Why? To be empowered for the, for the task at hand. To have the equipment necessary to do what he's asking us to do. There's many, many times in my life, I don't know, in your life, where you've, you've run out with full zeal and, and enthusiasm but maybe you weren't relying on the Spirit and you were running in your own strength. I remember a, a time in Bible college where I was, I was really excited by uh, Keith Green's No Compromise and I was just reading it and devouring it. And I wanted to be like Keith Green. And he went and talked to people and just people came to faith through him. And so um, I was in a band. We'd finished, 
finished the show and I parked my, my car at the end of Hindley Street and I thought, I'm going to go witness. I'm going to go tell someone. And I walked down Hindley Street and then I turned back and then I ran back to the car because I was freaking out. <laughs> I went with all boldness and all zeal, but I didn't do the waiting for the empowerment, for the infilling of the Spirit for the task. So Jesus says, go, but not yet. Wait for the necessary equipment for the job at hand. Now, if you uh, uh, signed up for the Air Force and you go through the training and you learn to become a pilot and you come to the end of the course and they say, well done, you finished the course, now it's up for you to go buy your own jet. You go, hang on a minute, I thought that would come with the, <laughs> with the training. I thought that would be supplied. Or if you're a fireman and you say, I want to volunteer in the, to be a fireman, and they say, there's the fire, go fight it. Off you go. No protective equipment, no hose, no water. It wouldn't make sense, would it? It's the same when Jesus says, go, you're going to be my witnesses, but wait. You need the necessary equipment for the job. The promised Holy Spirit. Wait for that in feeling from on high. So Jesus here is saying, in encouraging them, okay, this is this is going to be awesome. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And I love this next bit. This is the humanity of the disciples. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? <laughs> um, hang on a minute. Like, we're talking about this message going forward, empowered by the Spirit. It's going to be an amazing thing. Ah, oh, Jesus, are you going to restore your kingdom? Now, we make fun of that, but perhaps, and to give the disciples a bit of credit, maybe they knew their Old Testament because there were Old Testament prophecies, Ezekiel 36 and particularly Joel 2, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And perhaps when Jesus is talking about this Holy Spirit, it's going to come. It's going to be, be poured out upon you. Straight away, there's, there's this connect going, hang on, when the coming kingdom comes, there's going to be an outpouring of the spirit. So if you're talking about the spirit, does that mean the kingdom's coming now? So that we might give them a bit of credit in that. However, Jesus answers them in a really interesting way. He says, It is not for you to know the times or date the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Can you see how he, he gets them back on track? They're distracted by this idea of the kingdom because, remember, their idea of the kingdom was let's get rid of the Romans, let's establish this earthly kingdom where you're going to be king and it's all going to be awesome here. That's not the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. So they're distracted by this concept that they're wrong in and Jesus goes, stop being distracted. I want you to focus on the task at hand. 
The Spirit is coming and you're going to be my witnesses. Now, I love this answer because I think we can learn so much from this. So many people in the past have tried to say when Jesus is coming back. Give theory after theory, predict it, prophesy it. It's going to be in 2012, apparently, where we had that. Remember the millennium bug in 2000 and everyone was like, it's the end times, Jesus is coming. We can get distracted by thinking about... Now, now the, the thought of Jesus coming... And this is what they had. They thought he was coming tomorrow or maybe in a month's time. And there's a good thing about that. That motivates you, doesn't it, to think, oh, if it's a short amount of time, I've got to get on to it. But the danger of that, and there is a danger in that, is that we just go, oh, well, he's coming back. Just sit up on the hillside and strum my guitar and chill out with Jesus That's not what Jesus is tasking his disciples in. Saying, don't get distracted. Don't worry about the when, but the what. We shouldn't worry about the when. We know he's coming. His promise is going to come. That shouldn't be at the forefront of our minds, but we should be focused on the what. What task has he given us to do today? What task is he asking us to do this week? What task is he asking us to do in our lives? What task is he asking you to do? Because there is a task. And he said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That was another theme that just went past you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, in the Gospels, we have the Great Commission. Here we have another Great Commission saying, go, go into the uttermost ends of the earth. And what we see here is ever-widening circles as the Gospel is going to be spread. Have you ever thrown a rock into a, a steel pond? And there is an initial splash right in the middle, isn't there, as activity. And then after that, there's these ripples that slowly go out and out and out. That's a picture of what Jesus is saying here. There's going to be the initial splash, Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his disciples. And then out of that, uh, Judea was, was uh, north, south of Jerusalem, Samaria, north. So here's Jerusalem, and then it's going to go out, and then it's going to go to the ends of the earth, these ever-widening circles. And we do the same. As we are empowered by this Holy Spirit, as we have a splash in our lives, we, first of all, witness to this fact in our families, in our homes, and then our, that's our Jerusalem. And then our Samaria, our, our Judea, is maybe our workplaces, our schools, uh, you know, where we spend our time. And then as we, we partner with missionaries or if we ourselves go out further, we, we take the witness of what Jesus has done in our lives, first in our Jerusalem and then 
to the ends of the world. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes in a cloud, and a cloud hid him from their sight. He ascends uh, into heaven. And while they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? (laughs) It would have been a pretty amazing event. I mean, it's something worth looking at, right? (laughs) Wow. This Jesus came and taught amongst us. He's called us out of our lives to follow him. He says he's going to die and be raised to life, and we don't understand what that means, but then it happens. Then he continues to teach us, and he calls us to, to be witnesses to his truth in the world. And then in glory, he ascends to heaven, and they're just like, Whoa. <laughs> wow. But then these two men, angels, we don't know, say, why are you looking up at the sky? Well, it's a pretty amazing thing to look at. <laughs> right. But here again is this don't focus on, don't be distracted, but let's get into the mission that is at hand. Why, why look at the sky? Let's get on with it, men and women. Let's get on with the task at hand. In the same way, Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come back the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Um, I'm going to invite the music team up. And we're going to share this morning in something that the disciples did on the night that Jesus was betrayed. We're going to share in communion with one another. Um, And as we do that and as we sing, there might have been a theme, there there might have been a challenge as we ask those questions of ourselves. Okay? What? As I put myself into the shoes, if I put myself into that story, what am I surprised by? What emotions do I feel? What challenges do I have in my own thinking as I think about what it means to follow Jesus? As fellow disciples together, what does it mean to be church? And as I said, most importantly, what is Jesus saying to you? Is it that he isn't some figment of our imagination, that he was a real man that lived and died and was raised to life, and that he is worth following? That there were convincing proofs written and eyewitnessed? And because of that, man, I want to look into this man, Jesus. Perhaps you're focused and distracted on the when Or even the how. How, Lord, am I going to do this? Maybe he's calling you to not be distracted, stop looking at the sky and get on with the task that he's given you to do, to be witnesses, witnesses to what he's done in your life. Let's stand together. I just want to pray. 
Lord Jesus, as the disciples sensed you and touched you and heard from you and ate with you and saw you face to face, Lord, so you want to come amongst us and for us to experience your presence. And Lord, I just want to pray for everyone here. If there's questions or if there's doubts or if there's pain or if there's sorrow, Lord, that you would be the one that comes and does a work in us. And Lord, as we take and eat and are reminded of your sacrificial death, giving up of your life so that we can have life, Lord, may this spur us on into what it means to follow you, what it means to live our lives like those first disciples, full of zeal, full of passion, to share your word with those around us. So Lord, come and meet with us right now as we sing. Would you be present? Would we sense you? As we eat, just like those disciples ate with you, Lord, that you would continue to speak your words of hope, your words of encouragement, maybe your words of challenge to us this morning. And that we would be open to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we sing, I'd encourage this side first to head out that to the, the wall side, come and grab uh, the elements and then head down the aisle. And then once that side's done, the same over here, head to the wall, grab the elements and then, then come back. And hold on to them. We're going to eat and we're going to drink together. But as, as you do it, Feel free to sing as you're walking down. It's a well-known song. Feel free to continue to open up your heart to what Jesus might be saying to you this morning as the living word comes to minister amongst us. Let's do that together. Willie's prayer this morning she said what do I pray there's so much to be grateful for one more day one more day to live for him one more day to live for truth one more day to be under his lordship one more day to be wowed by his sacrifice for you on that cross that he would love you so much that he would give up his own life so that you wouldn't only have life in these days but life eternal forever and ever with him. And as I said in the, the end of that reading this morning that he will return in the same way that he exited in glory and we will see him face to face all because of what he had done for us 
We are so thankful for that. So take and eat his body, broken for you. drink of his blood that was shed for you and for me for the forgiveness of our sins Lord Jesus we thank you for your work on the cross but we thank you that that was the beginning and that this is the continued story and that we are drawn into your continued work through this power of the spirit to go into all the world to be witnesses to your truth empower us embolden us Lord we pray in Jesus name Amen let's sing verse 4 of that song as we end this morning being reminded that he will return he will return he shall return team thanks Sam um, yeah what a what a brilliant message whenever we um, turn to the scriptures uh, we are always going to be challenged and surprised pick up a point of application and the Lord will speak to us uh, thanks for bringing us back to those questions Sam uh, today we're setting the scene uh, looking forward to the to be continued as well on this one um, yeah, but yeah, just trust that the Lord has spoken to you uh, today. My prayer is that he will continue to do so as you um, reflect on the message, but open and, and read through the, the scriptures in the week to come. Um, yeah, just really sense the Lord here today. Hopefully you have as well being here on in this room or online. Um, yeah, just just uh, pray for God's blessings on, on each and every one of you and just hang around now, catch up for a tea or coffee or a chat and look forward to seeing you all again next week. Thank you.